Brothers and sisters, we come here in the presence and comfort of the gospel as the scriptures tell us. If we say we have no sin, we've only made God out to be a liar and his truth is not found in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's our hope and comfort as we worship him week after week. Let's now turn to the word of God. Our scripture reading this morning comes, first of all, from Psalm 34. Psalm 34, that's the song with which we began uh, singing this morning, which we'll also uh, finish later on uh, in this worship service. It's the song that uh, Peter, in the text that we'll be looking at in in 1 Peter 3, uh, Peter is working very closely with this psalm. Uh, So let's pay close attention to it. Psalm 34, beginning in verse 1 or verse 0, since there is a title to this psalm. A psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out, and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So far from Psalm 34, let's also turn to the New Testament to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount taught by the Lord Jesus, and also uh, a text that we'll notice Peter is working with. Psalm, or, or Matthew 5, verses 38 through 48. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Finally, we'll turn to our last reading, that's from 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, the verses 8 through 12. First Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So far, the reading of God's word. As we are... In particular, this morning is 1 Peter 3, the verses 9 through 12. It's just a few verses, so let's read those yet one more time. Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and seek good days, let him, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So far, the reading of the text. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we're continuing in our journey through what are called sometimes the hard sayings of Peter, uh, sayings that are hard to hear because they're hard to swallow, hard to live by. Uh, And we're spending a second week now on uh, the final section of these hard words, hard sayings, directed to the whole of the Christian community. Uh, So Peter had words specifically for citizens towards their government, for slaves, for wives, for husbands. Uh, Now he's speaking to the whole of the church. Uh, And we want to keep in mind the big idea that uh, is laid out uh, in these verses 
Uh, coming all the way back from chapter 2, where these hard sayings began in verse 12, uh, that because we belong to Christ, we will be rejected and scorned and reviled by the world, but we need to remember we are chosen and precious in the sight of God. And when you know that, that changes how you respond to that reviling and slandering and affliction by the world. Uh, We are sojourners and exiles, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. Uh, We saw that also as a result of that, we have a particular calling in this world to be the children of God. That's not just our identity, that's also the pattern of our life. That's the calling uh, to which we are called. Uh, As children of God, uh, we abstain from the passions of the flesh. Again, back to chapter 2, verse 12. Things like anger, wrath, malice, jealousy, sexual impurity, the passions of the flesh which wage war, Peter says, against your souls. That is, against your identity in Christ. These things will destroy you, so he says, abstain from them. Uh, And so Peter then has taken that that principle, this is who you are, this is how you are called to live, and he has applied them to all of these different contexts, uh, and and now is speaking to the whole of the Christian community. Now last week, or two weeks ago, we worked through verse 8, focusing particularly on how are we called to live within the Christian community. Uh, Verse 8 speaks of that that call to fight for brotherly love and then all the qualities that must be there if that brotherly love is to flourish. Uh, That's that's how we are to be within the Christian community. Uh, And then this week we want to look at verses 9 through 12, which begins to shift that focus also outwards. How do we relate to the world around us? Uh, And so what we saw last week is verse 8 is primarily concerned within Uh, But verse 9 is primarily concerned without. Uh, And yet the fact is these two verses are very close together. And so we should not, as we read verse 9 and following, we should not assume now we're only talking about how we look at the world. Uh, In fact, the, the sad reality is sometimes even within the church, you have to learn to not return evil for evil because Christians do sin against each other. Uh, you might hope it's not the case, but it is. And so even within the church, we follow the, the calling of the Lord Jesus to show compassion and mercy, to, to pray for those who persecute us. Uh, maybe a lowercase p persecuting, but nonetheless it happens uh, within the church. Uh, we are to return good for evil. Uh, so verse 9, uh, again, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, But on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Now perhaps the first thing we should observe from this is that Peter uh, is speaking here as one who has evidently been discipled well by the Lord Jesus himself. Now this is not something Peter is coming up with for the first time, but something that he learned directly from the lips of the Lord Jesus. Now, we read it earlier in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So Peter here is, is, is working from what he has been taught himself by the Lord Jesus. 
Uh, now, something we should understand about this teaching of the Lord Jesus, it is often wrongly understood that the Lord Jesus there was teaching something new, a new Christian ethic. Uh, but a careful reading of the Old Testament shows that this is not something new at all. Uh, there is, Jesus says, uh, you've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But you won't find that verse anywhere in the Old Testament. There is no text that says that uh, or anywhere in Scripture that teaches that. Uh, so it's not as though Jesus is updating Scripture or uh, providing a better ethic uh, in Scripture than what came before. Uh, when he says, you have heard that it was said, he's not referring to Scripture He's referring to what was taught by the religious leaders of that day. Uh, people who failed to understand the ethic of Scripture. Uh, in fact, a careful reading of the Old Testament would show that the, the Old Testament Scriptures are rich with this same teaching. Uh, you might think of the uh, wisdom literature, books like Proverbs, uh, that over and over again praise the man who, who makes for peace uh, and who entrusts himself to the Lord instead of taking vengeance. Or, or the words of Exodus chapter 23, uh, verse 4, If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. Or Proverbs 25, verse 21, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head, as the, and the Lord will reward you. Uh, the Lord Jesus was not teaching something new. He was showing uh, the people, this is what the Word of God has always taught you. You are to love your enemies. You are to return good for evil, because that's what God also does. You are to be children of your Father. Uh, and here we want to think especially of Psalm 34, since that's the psalm that Peter chooses to work with. Uh, Peter quotes Psalm 34, verses 10 through 12. Uh, and really, in many ways, when you look at the whole letter of Peter, uh, you can see it as essentially a commentary on Psalm 34. Uh, in many ways, the Sermon on the Mount uh, is a commentary on Psalm 34. Uh, Psalm 34 is all about directing our eyes to God in the midst of affliction, and especially affliction caused by others. How do you, when you're suffering, as a result of others, turn your eyes to the Lord? Uh, and, and ask yourself, what is the will of God for you in this situation? And notwithstanding whatever others may be doing to you or against you, what is the will of God for you? For you, That's the question that Psalm 34 asks. Uh, and the big conclusion of Psalm 34, just like the Sermon on the Mount, just like what Peter is telling us now, uh, is the Lord is near to those who fear Him. That's the, the important question. The Lord is near to those who fear Him, and that matters more than anything else. That's the big idea Peter wants us to understand too. Uh, speaking to a church that's being persecuted, being slandered, uh, spoken evil about, he's saying you can't control what they will say of you. You can control what you will do. And, and you must remember the Lord is near to those who fear Him. So prioritize the nearness of God by doing His will. Uh, your priority is not getting revenge. 
It's not getting back at those who are attacking you. It's not even justice in the first place. It is the nearness of God, keeping the nearness of God. Uh, Notwithstanding whatever others might be doing to you, that does not change the Lord's face towards you. He is near to those who fear Him. He protects those who entrust themselves to Him. He blesses those who do good before Him. And that, at the end of the day, is what matters. Uh, Listen again to how the Lord Jesus uh, presented it in the verse we read a moment ago. Uh, He says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. That's your priority, to be children of your Father. Our goal when we are suffering or when people are speaking evil about us, our goal is to be children of God. To remember that He is our Father and that we uh, are His children and we want to make that our first priority. Uh, Now we should be careful not to misunderstand Psalm 34. Psalm 34 speaks a lot about the blessings of God on those who fear Him. How the Lord delivers them from all sorts of, of evil. Uh, in, in that way, it fits in with, with so much of the rest of the Old Testament wisdom literature, speaking of God's blessing and protection uh, on those who, who fear Him. Uh, but the point is not to say that if you do what is right, and if you fear the Lord, then your life is going to be pain-free, or trouble-free, or care-free. Uh, no, that's, that's not what it's saying at all. In fact, Psalm 34 is, is particularly honest uh, on this point. It says many, in verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Uh, it's not denying that reality. Those who fear the Lord still suffer. Uh, they are afflicted. They are well acquainted with pain. You think of what, the Lord, what is said of the Lord Jesus too, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Uh, their lives are not easy. Uh, and yet, at the same time, what, what Psalm 34 teaches is that even so, it is still far better. It is better to fear the Lord and to do what is right because the favor of the Lord is on those who fear Him. They get to enjoy, in the midst of suffering, they get to enjoy His nearness, His presence, His protection, and His guidance, even in their trouble. Uh, So Psalm uh, 34 says, Those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. That notwithstanding the afflictions that they suffer. So it's not about escaping pain or persecution. It's about the Lord's, It's about experiencing the Lord's nearness and protection as those who fear Him, though you suffer affliction and pain. So then it's a call to, to fear the Lord. And that, to fear the Lord means also then to discern what is the Lord's will for me. In this broken, sinful world, what does it mean for me to pursue what is right? Uh, Psalm 34, verse 11, uh, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Again, that doesn't mean that by doing so, by seeking peace and pursuing it, you will escape trouble. 
Uh, No, you may spare yourself, you will spare yourself a great deal of additional trouble caused by the evil that you have chosen, uh, that you would have chosen otherwise to return. Uh, so, So you will spare yourself trouble by seeking peace and pursuing it. But the big point here is uh, is that by seeking peace and pursuing it, you are living as a child of God. You will have then the special privilege of enjoying His favor even in the midst of trouble. And that's why uh, Peter particularly pulls out verses 15 and 16 of, of this psalm, because it's right at the heart of, of, of what this psalm is all about. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears toward their cry. Do you want the eyes of the Lord to be upon you? Do you want the ears of the Lord to be open to your cries? Uh, then do the Lord's will. Be the Lord's child. Uh, conversely, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Uh, Let God take care of that. God will see to it that justice will be done. Uh, So preserve and prioritize the nearness and favor of the Lord. Remember that at the end of the day, you are going to have to answer not for what others have done to you or said about you. They will have to answer for that. You will have to answer for what you are doing, for how you have chosen to respond. So in the midst of conflict, be the children of God. Uh, Even if others take all sorts of things uh, away from you, uh, in fact, as the Lord Jesus says, even if they take your very life from you, the one thing they cannot take from you is the nearness and favor and love of God. So hold on to that. Don't let go of that. Uh, Enjoy the nearness of the Lord by staying near to Him yourself. And then, uh, that means then living out the will of God. And that's the second uh, point. It's really the flip side to the same coin. Uh, The main imperative in this psalm then is if you want the nearness of the Lord, if you want to enjoy that, then be, be the children of the Lord by doing His will. Uh, Again, I'll read verses 11 to 14 of Psalm 34 again. Uh, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many good days, many days that he may see good? Then keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. In whatever conflict you might be facing, whether it is with the world around falsely accusing Christians of wrong that they have not done, or whether it is within the church, the will of God for you is to seek peace and to pursue it, to keep your own tongue from evil and your own lips from speaking deceit, to turn away from evil yourself and to do good. And this last point, this seeking peace, is the one that Peter particularly focuses on. uh, This calling to seek peace. Uh, And why? Because God is a God of peace. Uh, God is the God who sent His Son into the world of His enemies to die to make peace with them. Uh, And so also His children are those who seek and fight even for peace. Uh, the last, uh, so, so, so that last verse is, is what Peter wants to draw our attention to. Uh, we have a hard time valuing peacemaking. 
Uh, it's not something that uh, in our culture we particularly value. Uh, in fact, sometimes it's even used as a, a derogatory term. I've, I've heard this uh, said uh, that, oh, our leaders focus too much on, on keeping the peace. And, and we almost mean that in a, in a negative sense. Uh, now, no, there, there's, there is a, a place for sanctified conflict. There, there is something there. The, the light must confront the darkness, if, and if it refuses to do so, it's not doing its job. Uh, there will, and there will be conflict there where light encounters darkness. But God's children are nonetheless called to seek peace and to pursue it uh, and to seek peace even with the world around. That's the context here in First Peter 3. And again, Peter is just being a faithful disciple of the Lord Jesus here. Uh, Matthew 5 verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. It's what the Apostle James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, also said in James 3 verse 18, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make for peace. It's quite a convicting verse, uh, because all of us, we like to believe that that's what we're after. You know, I'm after a harvest of, of righteousness, it's, it's what we say. I'm fighting for what's right. It's that, that old phrase, you know, it's the principle of the thing that's causing me to stand up the way uh, that I am. Uh, we love to believe ourselves to be fighting for that harvest of righteousness, but James reminds us a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make for peace. That is the only path to the righteousness that you desire. If that is your goal, fight for it by making peace. And most of the fighting that you'll have to do is fighting against yourself, fighting within yourself. Uh, here's the connection as well then to verse 8, and, and this is why these, these verses are so closely held together. Uh, what's the will of God for, for us in, in a congregation? It is that unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tenderness of heart, and genuine humility uh, that God calls us to, which can only be accomplished by being peacemakers. Uh, the will of God is to abstain from, from the fleshly impulse to, to return evil for the evil that is done to you, instead to return good, uh, to seek the well-being of those who persecute you, to look for peace. Uh, and to do so not because it, it feels good to do so. Uh, not because uh, whoever the other side is uh, deserves your kindness, but because at the end of the day, that is the character of your Father, uh, the, your God, uh, and it is before Him you live, and it's to Him at the end of the day that you must give account. It is His blessing that matters to you. It is a hard thing to do, to return uh, good for evil, to return evil with, with kindness when every bone in our body may feel like returning evil for evil. Uh, th that's what verse 12 is talking about in chapter 2 of abstaining from uh, the desires uh, and passions of the flesh because they're waging war against your soul. It doesn't feel good uh, to do what God calls us to do. It's hard. Uh, and it takes wisdom as, as well because not all that, that looks kind is kind. There is such a thing as, as a firm kindness that, that insists on, on what, is, what is right. 
and, and is doing that out of love. Uh, and, and there is also, on the other side, a, a sort of soft kindness uh, that is ultimately unloving, that, that looks nice, that says nice things, but doesn't seek the well-being of, of the other person. Uh, and that's why, because this takes wisdom, the key here is in imitating the character of our God. Our God who is, on the one hand, firm and, and resolute, but on the other hand, merciful, patient, and kind. Uh, so, so much even that He sent His Son to die at His cost uh, to make peace with us. It's the character of God, our Father. Uh, so the application for us then is, when cursed, when spoken evil of, when reviled, when misrepresented or lied about, uh, the fear of the Lord teaches us, even so, to bless and to do good, to seek peace and pursue it. Now, you see the same thing in Psalm 35, and I just want to end with that. Uh, psalm 35, another psalm of David, uh, held right here together with Psalm 34. Uh, and the amazing thing with that psalm is, uh, it's one of these imprecatory psalms. A psalm that, that prays for God's judgment on, on His enemies. It prays for, for, for justice and punishment of the wicked. Uh, and sometimes when people read Psalm 35, they see this, this, this calling for judgment and they say, does this fit with, with the New Testament ethic of, of love? Is this what God calls us to do? Uh, but Psalm 35 is, is more complex than that. Uh, yes, David does pray that as long as his enemies continue to seek his life, as long as they refuse to repent, that God would rescue him and punish those who are persecuting him. Uh, but, but that's really the point, isn't it? That God would punish them. That he himself would refrain and let God take care of the justice. Uh, his prayer is, Psalm 35, verse 1, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. You fight against those who fight against me. Uh, let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. It's a prayer that God would handle the justice. That God would take care of that side. Uh, it is not uh, a prayer, God let me put them to shame. God let me punish them. It is God, you plead my case. Uh, and in the meantime, what we see when we ask, well, what's David doing in Psalm 35? What is he himself doing? Uh, David, you see, pours out his heart before God and confesses that he, for his part, has loved his enemies. He says, verse 12, they are repaying me evil for my good. Uh, so David is doing good to them. Uh, he says, verse 13, uh, I, uh, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed on my chest. I went about as though grieving for my friend or my brother, as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning. Uh, David here is weeping for, for his enemies. He, he's praying uh, for his enemies, grieving uh, and asking that they would change. Uh, he mourns for them when they suffer. He feels the pain of his enemy's condition. And if you know anything about the life of David, you, you can see this in, in his life, uh, how often he demonstrated this, especially when Saul was persecuting him. 
I don't think any of us can, can even begin to imagine the depth of, of anger and, and the feelings of betrayal that someone like David would have felt, uh, not to mention the, the reasonable fear for his life uh, that David would have felt during those years. And yet, we see him grieving for his enemy, fasting for his enemies, praying for his enemies. Uh, and when given the opportunity to exact vengeance on them, he, he forgoes the opportunity and trusting himself to the Lord. Uh, and so the Psalms, even the imprecatory Psalms, teach us how to pray when we are being mistreated. They teach us the heart of God. They teach us to bless, not just with, with lip service, but in genuine feeling, in deliberate action, to bless while at the same time calling upon God as judge. Uh, indeed, it is, it is precisely because we can call on God as judge that while we're on this earth, we can bless those who mistreat us. We can know He will plead our cause. And so that means what's left for us is to do His will. Uh, we can pray to Him, Lord, You know, Lord, You know how I have done good to them, uh, though they have done evil against me. Lord, You know my heart, that it is not filled with malice toward them. Lord, You know that I have entrusted myself to You. Lord, You know that I grieve for them. And so, Lord, you contend for me. You plead my cause. If we want God to be on our side, then let us make sure that we are on his side, doing his will and imitating his heart. Uh, and we can say that all the more uh, in light of the gospel, knowing how God has treated us with that same mercy and compassion. If there was ever a, a case where, where the righteous one would finally be allowed to just lash out and destroy his enemies, surely it would be God uh, towards us. We know our sins, the judgment that we deserve, and yet God chose not to count our sins against us, but instead to come to us in mercy to make peace with us. Uh, to make peace with a people who didn't even want to make peace with Him. Uh, to die for them while they were still His enemies, still determined uh, to fight against Him. That is the heart of a peacemaking God. Uh, so it is the attitude then of, of knowing what grace I have received. Uh, my soul will wait for the Lord. My soul will rely on His Word. My soul will find its satisfaction and peace in Him so that I can return good for the evil that is done to me. So find rest, brothers and sisters. Find rest in the knowledge that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears open to their prayers. Know that the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So trust in that uh, for, for those who do evil towards you and also see to it that you take no part in it. If the face of the Lord is against those who do evil and since He has delivered you from that old way of life, then live in His grace under His favor knowing, uh, as Psalm 34 says, those who look to Him, their faces are are radiant uh, and shall never be ashamed. Amen.